Meditation. 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 Depending on the quality of my You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice, calm, I can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Running Behind the Train of Happiness. Happiness is something many of us spend our lives chasing. The subconscious mind often says, my real life will begin once this happens, or for now I am just preparing. I just need to get through this, and then I'll be happy. How do we finally catch the train? Today we're joined by Vegan Aharonian. Vegan began studying Shambhala Buddhism in 1996. Originally from Armenia, the former Soviet Union, he came to the United States as a graduate student at Columbia University in 1991. In addition to teaching regularly in New York City, Vegan has also taught international Shambhala programs in Russia and Ukraine. Here is Vegan to take away the discussion. Most of the time, almost all the time, there is a sense of uh, what happens right now is not good enough. I need to do something and once I get through this or through that, once this finishes, once I accomplish that, then I can let go and experience what several of you described as being settled uh, in peace, in connection with what happens now. There is that normally, there is that sense of right now, I just need to get through this. It's not necessarily a heavy uh, unhappiness, but eh, right now I'm okay, maybe, or not so much okay, but it's still no, I'm not there yet. Life will start fully once something happens. And different uh, state of our age, it's different thing when we are in school, there are various stresses, tests, academic stresses, relationships with other kids, I don't know, bullying, whatever. And we have a sense that once I grow older, once I overcome this, then it will get better. Uh, When I graduate and have a good GPA and get into a good college, then I'll be happy. Once you get into the college, we think, uh, well, when we're preparing to, to get into a college if, or college or whatever, career, we constantly, in other words, think that we, we have to fight for now, be in a struggle. Once we get over it, then I can relax and have the things you guys described as happiness. It's... Uh, Graduating, finding a job, getting into a relationship, getting married, or getting divorced, or raising a child, and and fixing a difficult relationship. We think we are in some sort of struggle until we accomplish something, a financial comfort, health-related stuff, right? There is always something that prevents us from being really happy, right? I'm not saying anything um, radical here, revolutionary. I'm just pointing out that 
we might not even notice, but we constantly have either minor or more um, obvious sense of being unsettled, um, uh, not appreciating enough what is right now, right? And, and if I go to a more academic language, Buddhist language, uh, there are three types of suffering, unhappiness. The first type of uh, suffering is when we are in real pain, very obvious, we are sick, or there is psychological and emotionally very difficult situation. When we do recognize that we are in very significant discomfort, physical or psychological, uh, that is the real hardcore suffering. The second type of suffering is or unhappiness is um, pain of change. We want predictability, we want stability, we want to know that we can rely on things and knowing that things might change and uh, we don't have control is the second type of pain, pain of change. And the third one is most interesting and important is um, all pervasive suffering. That's the technical term. All pervasive suffering is um, background noise. It's the, the stuff that I talked about just a little earlier. Things are not quite right. It's not a big deal. I, I have financially, I'm relatively okay, I'm not starving, I'm relatively healthy, I'm not in a hospital, I have more or less reasonable relationship and so forth, but it's not quite right. So there is the, 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 the background stress, low-grade stress. I don't feel, in, if you think of the body, feeling comfortable in the body, we, we do feel some little tension here and there if we pay attention. Because it happens all the time, we don't notice it. It feels like it's a normal thing. I'm not, I'm, here I am, I'm okay. But if we, if we take a magnifying glass and go through our body, look inside, we'll notice that there is something not quite right. There is some, maybe a tense stomach, maybe a tense throat. To know the difference is uh, to remember moments when it all drops away. There are these moments in life when we suddenly feel free, feel joy. Johnny mentioned joy, right? What is joy? We can try to visualize or remember a moment when we would say, I felt joy at that moment. So I'm actually asking you to dig into your memories and think of moments when you felt joy.
And for me, uh, joy, obvious joy, when I would call, I feel joy, are the moments, certain moments when my uh, stories, someone talked about that, stories about the future or the past dropped away and I connected with the reality as it happens. Is It is usually when I'm in nature, I there is a beautiful scene or it's pleasant breeze or touch of water if I swim somewhere. When suddenly feel, it's, it's like, ah, here I am. And what, what I was, and then the next moment is, and what I was worrying about a second ago, right? And one, once you start thinking that, then the moment runs away. Then it's a new storyline. That inner storyteller keeps us away from the reality that contains what we need. Every moment, current moment actually contains what we need. And the reason I ask you to remember, and I could go around the room again asking everyone to tell us how it felt and what the circumstances were, but uh, it's usually, I've done this many times before, it's usually when we appreciate uh, what happens right now. The moment when sometimes there is external circumstance, something happens, we we pass a test, I don't know, and the, the tension of the previous preparation drops off, or you know, we get a job offer, or whatever, right? There are sometimes there are specific circumstances when the previous stress drops and there is a there is a change in level of stress, right? Even then, if we look deeper, we might find that there is there are other worries that are in that background noise that all pervasive suffering. But very often, and those are nicer, real, pure moments when it's not dependent on some success, something happening. It's just, we just reconnected to the fullness of life and nothing has to happen for us to feel joy, feel good in our, in our own skin, wherever we are with the conditions we have with our personality, it just, that inner speaker then tells us that we're not good enough or something in our life is not good enough. When that speaker suddenly silences, then we might feel complete in, in the situation we are. And that's when we can feel joy. If you went to any teachings before, uh, we have a very important fundamental concept in Shambhala teachings, which called basic goodness. And for those who haven't heard of basic goodness before, it's the notion of our fundamental completeness and healthiness, just the way we are. What, what, um, what makes us not feel fundamentally basically good is thinking that we are not good enough. We don't look well enough. We don't have enough education or 
uh, our circumstances are not right enough. Uh, we didn't have the right upbringing or our family relations are not. Anyway, there is a long, long list of things that are not good enough. And we think once we overcome that, or if we had that differently, if I was taller or whatever, if I had different uh, hair, then I would, I could feel complete and worthy of respect, right? So those things are opposing that feeling of basic goodness. So the notion of basic goodness in Shambhala is the notion of appreciating who we are just the way we are and appreciating external world the way it is. It does not mean that there are no things that go wrong and there is nothing to change and nothing to do and everything is perfect just the way it is. So it is perfect the way it is on one hand and yet yes there are things to do, there are things that don't go quite right. And that's in some sense good as well because if everything was perfectly fine, then there would be nothing to do. There was, there would no point to live this life. We live the life to, to engage, do things, and we can enjoy the process. So in order to be able to reconnect to present moment, some of you spoke about that in the beginning, we need to have that trust that basically things are workable, they are okay. I have all reasons to drop that uh, sense of uh, suffering, the um, all-pervasing suffering. I, I have all the basis to do that. I can drop that and just feel full, present, and engaged in whatever happens without sense of struggle. There is a story uh, that I tell sometimes uh, when I teach. Um, it's story related uh, to, to Buddha. So one day somebody comes to Buddha and says, look Buddha, I have so much pain in my life. My family is in is, is a disaster. My house has, I have a leaking roof. The, the house falls apart. My wife complains all the time. My uh, daughter is not listening to me at all and and, and my son is and and on and on. my cattle is falling falling ill constantly and my crops I have drought and on. he gives a long list of things that are not right and and if he says Buddha if you can't help me I can't really live my life this is it I'm done so Buddha listens to all the complaints the long list and then says look you came with me, me to, to me with your 64 problems. 
everyone have their own 64 problems. I cannot help you with those 64 problems, but I can help you with your 65th problem. And your 65th problem is the desire for the first 64 to disappear. So the point here is that we put our happiness as a condition of the 64 problems to disappear. And the Buddhist teachings are saying that even if we had those 64 problems disappear, and I had this thought myself, I thought if I put on the list everything I'd like to happen with me, around me, if everything that I want to happen right now happens. I'll probably the next day after that, I'll probably will come up with another list of things that I want to happen. And so Buddha says, if even if everything we want to happen happens, it does not necessarily mean that we will feel unconditionally happy after that. We'll still have things we want to happen. And so real happiness is not happiness that is dependent on certain conditions to occur. The real true happiness is when we can appreciate who we are and what happens around us. When we can drop our agenda, drop that inner uh, storyteller that tells us what's wrong with our life. Uh, a few weeks ago, there was a talk, uh, a Tuesday talk like this one about um, our personal fake news. So we generate our personal fake news constantly. So we, if we stop generating the fake news that we generate and just feel the appreciation that the life is workable just the way it is, it might be particularly easy to Emily, since you are sitting in the park and, and, uh, and you have a nice view around you. And the life is quite workable and pleasant to live, right? The trees are growing, the, the, the spring is here. Right now I'm in California, it's really, the weather is really nice. When you look up in the sky here in the Northern California, the sky seems to be blue all the time. When we you look up in the, and I don't know how it is in New York, I suppose most of you are in New York, I'm a New Yorker. Um, so it kind of, when you look at the vast open sky, there is so much space for everything to happen. And there is no reason to feel that as an attack on, on yourself. Yes, things happen, things don't go the way we want quite frequently, but it's all workable, it's good enough. There is space for everything. And how do we know, is it a good thing or not? Maybe something that we didn't want to happen might turn out to be a positive thing. So unconditional happiness is what we want to be in touch with. Again, it does not mean there are no things to do and fix and change. There are a lot to 
to, to work on. But the very fact that there are things to do can be the cause to feel happy. Yes, here I am and I have things to do. Let's move on, let's do it, let's try. They might work out the way I want it, great. They might not work the way I want. I put some effort, I really wished I could change something, it didn't work. Maybe it wasn't meant to change. Maybe it wasn't the right direction, whatever. I put my effort, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. Still, life is beautiful to move on and, and do the next thing. That's the unconditional happiness we speak about in Shambhala and in Buddhism in general. Uh, and I end with another shorter story. So this Buddhist teacher gets enlightened and students ask him, so how does it, how did your life change after getting enlightened? And here in the context of this talk, we can equate enlightenment with unconditional happiness. So he said, look, before I got enlightened, I had to wash my dishes, attend my garden, take care of my house, clean and, and so forth. And after I got enlightened, I still have to wash my dishes, uh, take care of my garden and my home. But it stopped being a problem anymore. So the only thing that changed is that those, all those things that we need to deal with, they are not a problem anymore. Um, at some point I was teaching various courses. I had a student that was uh, coming back to teachings um, that I taught and she said that once when she heard the story first time, she put that on a piece of paper. And every morning when she wakes up, she reads that statement about it's not a problem anymore. And the day goes for her a lot lighter when she remembers that it's not a problem anymore. So I'll stop here and we can have a discussion. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, let's have a discussion. Yeah, I'd like to add something um, based on what we were discussing today. I was taking notes. <laughs> um, this thing about just uh, happiness, you know, um, even before stepping into the meditation, which actually really helped me, um, I just got a job offer and, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to get my third reference. And so all sorts of thoughts are coming to my mind. Well, maybe this job offer is going to be released. I'm not going to get that salary that I'm thinking about every day. Number one, I shouldn't be thinking about this every day, but I am. And it's just amazing how wild the mind can run. I'm a very rational person. 
I do everything that needs to get done. But what's going on in my mind is madness in terms of why be obsessed of this new job offer? Every second of the day. It's not rational at all, you know, and just the tension, the feelings I feel from something like disappointment. Now, I think of that, what if? Well, what if, uh, like, I'm in a relationship with somebody, but what if that ends? How am I going to react to something like that, you know? And I really do feel, I'm like, wow. So if I lose my job, lose my relationship, my world is upside down. It's over. I know it's irrational, yet I can't even eradicate it out of my mind. Mm -hmm. I really just want to get rid of it. I really do. It's like, oh, this is ridiculous. Take it out. Doesn't work that way. Yeah. So that's my dilemma. Such a perfect example. Yeah, it, it proves uh, a lot of what I said. The personal storyteller, the fake news that we create for ourselves, right? Uh, pain of change, fear of change. What if things go uncontrollably in the directions I don't want? Them to go yeah yeah and so here comes in the meditation technique by the way so when we meditate we train the mind to let go of that personal storyteller we want to we want to learn how to let go of the fake news our own fake news so every time we notice we're thinking we use that awareness that we and some willpower to let go of that thought and come back to the breath, the reality of current moment. Here I am, here is my body, here is where I want my mind to be. If the story is very emotionally charged, it might be very difficult to do. And Johnny, you might be describing that kind of situation, it's fearful. Your life can go in a very wrong direction if things go wrong, right? So it's, it's, it's not easy to let go. But if we have that backbone of knowing that fundamentally, basically, I am good. Whatever happens, I am good. I'm here, I'm standing on my two feet, Yes, things can go wrong sometimes. And sometimes we can make ridiculous scenarios of things going wrong. wrong. You, you said it's irrational, right? And I also, this is my subjective opinion. You are going too far. Yeah, I agree. Things might go wrong, but you are taking them, I think, too far. Uh, so we do that frequently. I've done it myself, obviously. That's, that's why I... I can talk about this because I've done all of those things myself. I can even remember many, many years ago, there was something with my driver's license. I had to go to DMV. I don't remember what was wrong, but I had to fill out the form and I didn't want to answer one of the questions correctly. I, I kind of cheated slightly. And then at night I was thinking, what if I get caught? What if? And I was new in US, I just, it was such a minor thing right now. 
and I thought, I came up with all kinds of weird scenarios with how bad it might end. And I might end them in jail if, if they catch me lying here. Anyway, it was so weird. I, I, it, when it was night, I couldn't sleep. And I thought, wow, I, I'm such a good sleeper. It never happened that I can't fall asleep like that. And I was tossing and turning and up, completely made up story. So we do that. And so when we meditate, we learn to let go. We learn on the cushion. That's our training place. We learn to let go of those wild stories we tell ourselves. And when we're in real life, we, we also use the training of to let go that artificial made up things we come up with. And when we are able to let go of the story, the fear, emotions, we don't have to let go of the emotions. This is now another topic. We just let go of the story and the emotions typically subside on their own then our mind is more clear and we know what to do. Uh, finding a third uh, reference, I don't know, is it really difficult? You can, you can use me if you want for your reference. <laughs> if that works for you, I'm happy to be your third reference. Uh, but, uh, Usually the problem is not as big as it seems when we make up the story. And I'm not saying we don't uh, face difficulties in life, plenty. But when we face a challenge, we can make up a story and fear that we won't overcome that challenge. Or we can say, great, I have something to work on. And then we have the energy and clarity of mind to find the, a better solution. Playfulness, I didn't use that word, but some sense of playfulness. If I trust that I am basically good and life is beautiful, then I can be playful with life. Then I am relaxed and, and uh, mm, more resourceful, flexible, and I'm easy to be with to other people too. I'm more pleasant to, to other people as well. That's another part of it that I didn't talk about. Any, any other thoughts? I have a, a question. Um, can there be like, like joy or real happiness in in being excited about the future or planning for something in the future kind of like the opposite like not not worrying about the future but i feel like i have a lot of times or moments where i'm i'm so excited something's going to happen that i'm having like joy in that moment of being excited is that joy or is that i mean it feels like joy to me like the thing well, is that sometimes that joy is better than the joy of you know you plan a vacation or something and it's a disaster but you but i you have joy in planning it or in thinking about it uh so you're talking about joy of planning something that will happen in the future yeah, or finding or finding joy in like fantasizing about something that will happen or uh, the excitement 
uh, it's it's okay. The 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 question here is, is it conditional on that happens? If if your vacation doesn't go the way you like, uh, will you think I was so stupid to feel joy when I was planning it? <laughs> right? It was so silly of me to to experience, but. But I think it's perfectly fine when you are planning something and you are experiencing joy of planning it. That's a current moment joy. Mm -hmm. And to say like, oh, you know, I don't really know how this is actually going to go, but this is I'm excited right now. Great. Yes. Yeah. That that's the that's the key. You gave the round right the answer. Yes. If you if you can tell, say, I don't know if this will happen the way I want. But I'm really enjoying planning this event, a party, whatever. I'm enjoying it right now. And I do know that things most likely will not go the way I am visualizing, fantasizing. That's fine. I'm enjoying right now. So if we have that clarity, if we, if we are not putting ourselves into dependence on some condition to occur, then whatever whatever we do is fine. That unconditionality is important. Being unconditionally uh, joyful of planning the party, regardless if the party even happens or not. Anything else? Yeah, one more question on this one. Uh, do you find that the uh, this technique of finding presentness, it's really a practice. You find that um, yoga and breath work is an equal kind of technique and kind of finding this so that you can practice this and ultimately kind of reach that state that you're speaking of, whether it be enlightenment all the way on the other end of it or some degree in between. Uh... I wouldn't put an equal sign be be between them, but I'll, I'll explain in what way, uh, to what degree they are uh, similar or helping each other, I would rather say. So whenever we do um, some activity like uh, breathing exercises in yoga or physical aspect, of yoga doing exercises or tai chi qigong or regular western type of physical exercise the question here is whether we practice uh, mindfulness and awareness with it so if you are jogging and having uh, and listening to music most likely you are not in touch with your body your mind is somewhere else. And so there is still physical benefit, but it is diminished. Uh, it could be even stronger if 
if the mind is synchronized with the movement, if we feel our body. When I exercise, when I do various stretches, and I do a mixture of things, yoga, some regular Western stretches, and some Qigong things. But the big point for me is I'm listening to my body, listening to joints, and feeling how far should I go? Which part of the body should I exercise? So this is still a mindfulness exercise in the sense that I'm synchronizing my uh, mind and the body. Uh, what is different with the regular meditation, maybe that's a more important part of my answer, is um, when we are meditating, we are minimizing any activity. The body is still, all we face is the mind, presence of the mind with the breath and body. It's a training situation. We're training the mind to be here and now. When we're doing some other activity with it, there is some disturbance. There is some, some something is happening. It's, it might be, it, in some sense, we can think of that other activity as a form of entertainment. We are entertaining ourselves. There is a breath, there is activity. A complete stillness is more difficult to, to achieve. So I wouldn't say that uh, when we are doing pranayama, we are meditating in, this, in, in the Shambhala sense of the word. These days, the word meditation used in so many ways. So if I'm more specific and say mindfulness awareness practice, I would say that breathing exercise is, is taking some of it away because it's an activity. Was I clear? But we can use, if I, if I go to earlier part of my explanation, we can use the training of mindfulness awareness while we do physical, the way I described. We can do a physical exercise, be on a treadmill, and use the mindfulness, train the mindfulness with it by training the mind to be present and feel the body. I think there is a practical thing to that too. Uh, if you feel the body is less likely, you will, uh, you will hurt yourself. In yoga, if we are listening to the body, we will not stretch ourselves to the point of uh, spraining the knee or whatever other part, right? So there is a health reason to be in, in good touch with the body when we do things. I, I find that um, the times that I'm particularly um, Relaxed is when I'm doing something like mowing, gardening, cooking. Those are all activities, but I have to be totally focused on them. And in a way, it's because I'm not in the picture. I'm just accomplishing something. So in a way, that's against, I guess, the idea of being hyper I don't like being hyper-focused on myself. So I like um, accomplishing something by activity. Uh, I often hear the notion, and you went there, um, 
statement a friend would say um, when I'm uh, cooking, uh, that's my meditation or mowing, you just said. And so um, what people mean by that, and you even said that uh, more relaxed, is I'm, uh, that's my way to deal with stress. I'm not stressed when I'm doing this activity, mowing, cooking, doing dishes, whatever. People mention many different things to me. That's my meditation. Uh, so what they mean is that's my way to deal with stress. And when we are meditating in Shambhala sense of the word, it's not about stress. It's about training the mind to let go of the story. That's what John spoke about. And you can use activity. I just described exercising. You can use mowing for that as well. Uh, of letting you, you can say yourself, okay, the next half an hour, I'm doing this physical activity, let's say mowing, and I will train my mind during this half an hour to be fully present with my body and my actions. And so in some sense, to, to the same degree as I just described with exercising, that's a training too. But again, you have a, a form of entertainment there. So it's not a 100% thing. It's much more difficult and maybe boring to do nothing at all and sitting still and bringing mind back. It's more difficult than you have some activity, some, you have uh, some food for the mind that, uh, that way. Some yeah, form that, of that way, it almost makes me forget about the stress because I'm doing something so I can't think about it. Mm -hmm. You are distracting yourself with an activity. We, we say that if, if your uh, anxiety, uh, stress and story, emotional state is so strong, you can't really let it go, as Johnny said, knocking it out with activity is okay. But you need to realize, so this, this beast was so strong that I couldn't face it directly. I had to knock it out by, by something stronger, like mowing or a movie or uh, calling to a friend to talk about something, just chit chat. I need something stronger to be able to let this go. We need to, to be honest with ourselves. Okay, I couldn't let it go on my own. I had to bring in a hammer. Should we stop here, close the evening? I see it's getting dark in New York. It's so bright here. It's, I don't know, I'm in, I'm in Silicon Valley now. Yeah, thank you everyone, thank you. Emily, what are you going to say? Uh, Emily turned off the camera, all right. Yeah, thank you, everyone. I appreciate all your thoughts and
Sorry, I, I was going to ask a question. Um, yeah. I was just curious, how often do you meditate, um, like multiple times a day, or do you have kind of a, a regular practice in the morning? Um, and for someone who's starting out, like I'm, I'm trying to meditate every day, and I've, I've found a series of breath work that, that really helps me get into meditation, but I'm still trying to find kind of what works for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I do meditate every day these days. In the, I do it in the mornings and then I exercise uh, at times, well, throughout my Shambhala life, things changed, the times changed. And uh, at some point, not long ago, I was doing breath, uh, pranayama also, and I did pranayama first, I think, then I meditated. 10 minutes, it's, I don't, well, now I do 15, but I've been doing 10 for a long time. Um, the, when I started, I was very, very disciplined, uh, thanks to my wife then, we meditated every day together for for a few years then kind of fell up anyway it comes and goes the, the the discipline for me personally comes and goes but when you start it's really important to to um promise yourself that i am going to meditate regularly and decide the schedule it doesn't have to be every day although it's maybe easier to do every day you'd go negotiate with yourself but set a set a schedule maybe four times a week it could be in the morning it could be in the evening but you need to decide in advance i'm going to do every morning before I start day, day activities, maybe after exercising, maybe before exercising, whatever it is, important is to make a plan and stick to it. We say, if you stick to it for three months, promise yourself that I will do it for three months and do it. Whatever plan is, make a doable plan and, and stick to that. After three months, it becomes easy and natural, like brushing teeth. We don't ask ourselves, do I brush my teeth today or I don't? It's kind of an easy, natural thing to do. And it's part of the daily activity anyway. Sometimes, very often, we think, well, I don't have time today. I have so many things to do. But then if we meditate, all the things we want to do, we do them more efficiently. Our mind is more present, more um, cooperative, and we accomplish things easier if the mind is awake. And so it's not, it becomes not a lost time. It becomes found time. We don't do unnecessary things if the mind is synchronized with our activities throughout the day. Another important thing to finish my answer is you ask multiple times a day. What is very useful to do, and I do it, is to pause from time to time and synchronize yourself, the mind and body. Physically stop. Let's say my activity is on the computer. Raise my gaze, look into the window, for example, and say, aha, uh -huh, here I am. Here is my body. 10 seconds, here is my breath. Catching yourself here throughout the day is very, very important. 
maybe every few hours, maybe uh, as soon as you remember that pause of 15 second pause. Huh. That, that, that is so important. It brings your energy and focus and, and you clear what, what you do next. You do with such such uh, clarity. I do. It brings a lot of clarity. What am I doing? Aha! Uh -huh, yes. Here we go. After that, it was helpful to be reminded about like ten minutes because I always think, okay, I have to do it for half an hour. It's not enough. Which then I, I don't have a half an hour today. I'm not going to do it. But ten minutes gets you into the routine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. It was great to see you all here and have this conversation and remind all of those things to myself as well. So thank you for the opportunity.